This is Amanda Allen. Welcome to the Whispers with Women podcast. Uncut, uncensored, unapologetic conversations with the wise women of the world. Brought to you by my four pillars of health protocol. One bundle, four formulas and 30 days to transform your temple using the power of natural food, intermittent fasting and intention as medicine. I am your guide as you alkalize, detox, nourish and fast your way to happy destiny. This is my personal health protocol. It's easy, it's awesome, it's yummy, rinse and repeat. Created and refined by me over 20 years as a professional athlete and woman on a challenging mental and physical health mission. My mission today and the purpose behind this podcast and the creation of my products is to help heal the heart and health of humanity by the power of food and story as medicine. The health of one woman is the health of all women, which is the health of humanity. Welcome to another inspiring, uplifting and fascinating conversation. And please remember, be kind to yourself and keep turning up until the miracles happen. You are so loved. Oh, hello. Hello, how oh, are you? Oh, you're coming through beautifully. Hello, Jenny. Oh, welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> Thank um, you for having me. Oh my gosh, I just, um, it's such a joy. There's so much that um, I have the privilege of hearing firsthand from you, your, your incredible, incredible story. So thank you for making the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so welcome to Whispers with Women Uncut, Uncensored, Unapologetic, Conversations with the Wise Women of the World and you, oh my gosh, I've, um, I guess, I've, I mean, in the lead up to our conversation today, which has been a little while in the, in the coming together, I just yeah. reflected on how I came to know you and not just, not really know you, but know of you and, and share some similar space and, um, and then just watch your journey from afar. And I'm just going to do a little um, of my own introduction of you. And then I would love to just open up to your sharing um, of your story. So, and, and I've looked on your website and I got such a, I love the way you've encapsulated your journey, which has, um, has been interesting. So I, I see you were born in 1982. So that makes you about 40 now. Man, I'm, don't say that, but yes, ooh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, my 40th birthday is my 40th birthday is coming up. I'm excited. Oh 40s are going to be the gosh. best. I decided it's going to be my, it's going to be my power decade. It, it, it is. <laughs> it, it, it got, well, that's when CrossFit <laughs> entered my life. So, um, oh, really? Yeah. So, at 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 three, you hiked ten miles. I'm assuming that wasn't by accident. And then no, in 1990, no. you were diagnosed with epilepsy. So that you would have been about eight years old. And mm -hmm. I, I gather that was a very long, hard, secretive journey, in your words. And then yeah. 2011, of course, um, you decided to. Uh, become a CrossFit athlete and didn't just become one. You made it to the CrossFit Games, came six. In 2012, you announced publicly that you had epilepsy. And then, of course, in 2013, you were hit by a car. You, I, I remember <laughs> well, you being I wasn't, in a moon. But yeah. Oh, okay. 
you you yeah. were in a moon boot doing one of the open CrossFit <laughs> open workouts and I just honored you so much doing that that was one oh, of the most extraordinary you. things I don't think you will ever know the number of people you touched and then in oh. 2015 you did a move mountains charity run raising a 5,000 miles across Colorado to raise awareness and money for epilepsy and then, of course, in 2017, because that's not nearly enough, you started Wild Women Adventures um, and your own uh, fitness, nutrition and, and adventure business for to empower and inspire women. And, and also you opened a gym summer in that as well. So it's, um, you know, what I mean, and, and that's just, um, you know, the big the big ticket items. Right. Um, yeah. So. I just wanted to get that out because there's just so much to your story and I don't know how much we'll end up touching on, but welcome and um, Jenny. Mm, Thank you. Where Thank do you. we start? <laughs> um, because you're, I mean, because in 2015 you did your run and in 2016 I, I did something very similar. Yeah. I ran a thousand yeah. kilometres for suicide awareness across um, Queensland in, in Australia um, so I just feel so um, connected to you on so many levels. I agree. I agree. I remember when you reached out to me and you're like, tell me, how did you do it? What did you do? I was like, it doesn't matter. Just do it. Just go yeah. run. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but the difference is, didn't you then like a few days later fly to the United States and compete in the CrossFit Games? Oh, yeah. I had to drive yeah. about a thousand kilometers home by myself with my two dogs <laughs> I was so sick. I was so I had pneumonia the oh. whole run, and then oh, oh, and then no. two weeks later, I was at the CrossFit Games. I came second to last. So it, that's <laughs> well, no way to prepare, is it? No, I don't think it is. But second to last, the CrossFit Games is still pretty darn good, no matter where you're at. That's it's, amazing. It's turned <laughs> up, yeah. So, um, please, like, oh, I, I'm 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 so fascinated by your journey, by where you are now. And um, I wonder if we can just go back a little bit. And um, yeah. I, I also, I saw on your website, and this could be my three sentences as well. And I just want to quote you. My life is to live in a cabin in the woods with mother <laughs> nature as my gym, surrounded by those I love. And I am covered in goosebumps. Oh, <sighs> yeah, so that much. is, that is. That is my dream. I'm getting closer to that life and I feel really, really lucky. But yeah, yeah that is that is my dream. And, you know, I would say, Amanda, like where to start it? everything, you know, conversation, like where does this go? I think it goes it goes where I started, you know, like how did yeah. how did my how did this all come to be? And I family is so important to me and I credit mm -hmm. my I credit my family. I mean, I feel yeah. so fortunate. I was raised in the mountains of Colorado and I grew up like you said, when I was three years old, I hiked 10 miles up at high elevation because my dad wasn't going to carry me anymore. He's like, you're doing it. It doesn't matter how long we take. And he led me up the trail with Reese's Pieces, little candies. And that's oh, I how I did it. it. But, <laughs> but you, you know, it was just, I was taught at a young age to respect and honor mother nature and to challenge your body and your mind and your spirit and also take time to just sit and be and appreciate appreciate what life is and so I you know it's it's not that every day of my life is like that I wish it was I wish I could mm -hmm. say that I'm in this amazing zen moment and I live in this like just crazy spiritual world but of course there's real life stuff that comes in but I try I try as much as I can in my own personal life and in my coaching life and in my mm -hmm. um retreat leading life to to try to teach and pass on what my family and my childhood brought to me you know 
Oh, I think you're a living example, a living, breathing example of what it is to to live that, those values, but to be completely and utterly human as well. And, um, you know, everything everything about you, if anybody goes to look on your Instagram or your website, all it does is re- reconfirm um, and reiterate that those values. Um, oh, so I guess you. like if if <laughs> – if we start, as you say, like you grew up in Colorado and I imagine um, 40 years ago it would have been, you know, even more pristine and <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and removed from the day-to-day hustle of civilization. Mm-hmm. And I imagining that that has set you up for the life that you've had um, mm-hmm. where fitness and nutrition and adventure uh, and nature and inspiring others is is what you do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, I feel, I mean, that what you, that those sentences you wrote about what my dream would be is to live in a cabin in the woods. That's, that's <laughs> true. Like I just, I feel my most whole when I'm in nature and I, the more people I work with in my life and in my career and friends and family that you talk to, I, it looks different for everyone, but I don't know anyone that doesn't go sit by a tree or put their toes in the sand or sit on a grassy meadow and, not feel better you know i think it's innate in all of us is we we need nature we need to move our bodies we need to rest more all of the things and yes um and yeah growing up in colorado 40 years ago is very different than it is now you know any anywhere i mean everywhere is more populated and there's the hustle and bustle of life and technology and it's Mm. a lot crazier than it used to be but Mm. um those gems are still there. You just have to take yourself to them. You have to put yourself in those situations. Otherwise life will take over. And all of a sudden you're 60 years old and you've had your face in a computer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And you're still in Colorado now. Yes. Well, um, I'm currently in Northern California. We bounce Uh, back and forth um, uh between Northern California and Colorado, but yeah, we're leaving in like five days to go back, back home to Colorado for six Mm. weeks. So since the pandemic happened, um, it's actually, changed my life drastically in in like everyone in good and not not as good ways and the good way is that I am running my business almost 100% online now so yes we get to live which this is where I say I'm closer to my dream of living in that cabin in the woods and being with family and friends and and so we get to do that we we get to I get to work from wherever I am now and I feel so fortunate and so we we have a home here in Northern California Marcus my other my other half his family Mm. has some property here in northern california and we're so gracious to let us build our home here so in 2014 i we built our house with our own hands and we um have a have a place here on a water ski lake marcus was a um, professional water skier and Mm. i don't know if you see in my instagram but another thing that we do we have our hands in like everything we also have (laughs) a remote um water ski training program that we do so um it's super fun. Yeah. It's of great. course you do. Would would <laughs> would remote water ski training have ever crossed your mind prior to the pandemic? We actually set it up. We were building the business before the pandemic hit. And when the no. pandemic hit is May of the first month of the, like the first May of two months after the pandemic hit and the world shut down is when we launched it. And <gasps> um, it, it worked out really well, but yeah, our plan, you know, there's the water ski industry, unlike, I don't know what you know about water skiing, but most um, sports have, you know, a little more structure and water skiers just go water ski. That's all they do. They just ski. They don't warm up. They don't train. They don't have any, like most of them don't have much guidance even for the water, for what they're doing on the water. And so there's been this huge hole for 
a long time. And Marcus and I are trying to, to fill that hole a little bit. So, yeah. How extraordinary. Yeah, I, I, that does not compute. <laughs> no, no I know, it's crazy. <laughs> no, it's oh crazy. God. It's <laughs> crazy. There's just no structure. So, yeah, it's good. Well, let's start back. So I think because um, obviously being diagnosed with epilepsy and then living with that um, as, a, as an athlete, like, can you take me back there? And, and then I think like if we can just follow that fitness um, yeah. athlete journey, this, this incredible journey of yours. Um, so I guess being diagnosed with epilepsy at about eight years old, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. How did so, that unfold? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so I don't know what any of your followers or listeners know about um, epilepsy, but to give you the gist of it is there's, it's now called the epilepsies. There's 40 different types of epilepsy. And so in 1990, when I was diagnosed, my mom um, is a nurse and she, there, there just wasn't much knowledge about it. And so she tells me stories, you know, I was, she kept me kind of in the dark about how stressed out she was with it, but oh. she spent countless nights in the local li- our local library trying to learn about it and what was going on with her daughter but basically what happened is um i have what's called simple partial gelastic seizures and so simple just means that it only affects part of my brain not the whole thing and gelastic the a sign a symptom of that is laughter and so the way mm-hmm. that um it kind of happens i have i constantly have this tingling sensation in my right arm it's there all the time really? and when a seizure comes on it it intensifies and i kind of can't use my right arm a whole whole lot and i um start laughing and i would lose control of my bladder and um it was people would think that i was being goofy because i was yeah. laughing you know they think what is this little girl just messing around and um, my mom would start noticing me grabbing my arm when that laughter was happening and she noticed like I wasn't all the way with it when that was happening. And so she thought something's going on. And so my parents took me into the doc and test lots and lots of tests later, they ended up um, diagnosing me with simple partial gelastic seizures. And so that was when I was eight years old. And I think anyone who has epilepsy or who has lived with someone with epilepsy would attest to the fact that one of the hardest parts of it is figuring out the medication that's going to work. So, you know, it was, Oh my goodness from eight years old to 14 so six years of just gross trial and error trial and error just being getting overdosed on drugs and find like the side effects that come with it retching and um double vision and all sorts of things trying to figure and just so much so much toxic chemicals in your body Mm. especially a young a young little body so um that took its toll but I, you know, when I was 14, we ended up finding a medication that worked and it worked for me pretty much the rest of my journey until I was about 33 is when I decided to try to switch medication for the purpose of potentially having children um, because the medicine I was on didn't, didn't allow that. It would be unsafe for the fetus. And so um, I ended up switching medication then when I was 33 and um, same kind of story. It was just terrible trying to figure out what would work for me. And um, difference when I was young doing that, you know, I was pretty dependent on my family for taking me places and I didn't have a job. I just had to go to school and I could take days off, but I was still an athlete. My parents never, and my brother, I want to throw my brother in there too. He's one of my rocks. They never mm-hmm. let me think like something was wrong. You know, they just said, Jenny, you're going to, you want to play basketball? You want to play soccer? Great. Let's go do it. And of course, mm-hmm. of course they were probably worried sick, you know, but they, yeah. they were wonderful. And I think that's probably one of the biggest lessons I've taken into life as well as in my coaching is like, we all have, we all have shit that happens. We all have things going on and we can make excuses 
as long as you're safe about your approach, you can still do most things most of the time. And so, um, yeah, so I, so I did. And, and then, yeah, so going back, I, you know, when I was 33 and I changed medication and went back to that, it was a new challenge of navigating the side effects of the medication and not being able to drive. I was dependent on Marcus to take me everywhere or I had to ride my bike. So were you able to drive um, at all throughout yeah. those years? Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. I should yeah. back up. I kind no, of no, went no, ahead, no, not at all. Yeah. There. So, you know, when I was diagnosed and as I was getting into my teenage years, the doctor said, well, yeah, you're probably not going to be able to drive and you're probably not going to be able to have a family. And wow. again, there just was, it was just not a lot of knowledge about epilepsy at that point. And so, um, I, well, and to boot, we found out this is crazy. This is so crazy. My, one of my doctors, one of my neurologists that I was working at, working with in my early diagnosis ended up um, being caught as a fraud. <laughs> he wasn't <gasps> actually a neurologist. He wasn't a pediatric neurologist and he was claiming to be. And so that was another part of the story, but um, oh, ended gosh. up landing, landing a really good neurologist after that. And he was awesome. And he said, you know, he's like, we're going to see what you can do. Let's just go with it. And so my yeah. mom and dad were very um, uh, involved. And again, let me just say, well, okay, you're under control. Your seizures are under control. So you are safe to try driving. And as long as your seizures are under control, you can. And so I've been able to drive my whole life. Um, wow. And mm -hmm. I, I feel really lucky, except for when I switch meds. And that's just for safety sake. You know, you know, you just don't. Yeah. Wanna... No. Yeah. Oh, so, gosh, no. Yeah. 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 So um, with your seizures throughout those years, you know, 8 to 14 with all the trial mm -hmm. and error and then 14 to 33, are you, were you having seizures on a particular frequency? Were they rare? Mm -hmm. Were they, I mean, yeah, would you talk me through that a little? Yeah, you know, what's again really interesting about epilepsy is there's so many different kinds. And mm -hmm. I would also, so I, the answer is I don't know. Um, the mm -hmm. one in my arm, I would mm -hmm. say I would have, at some points it was multiple a day and then some points it was once every few weeks. And so the consistency wasn't always there. I mean, there's some mm -hmm. people who suffer hundreds a day and I just, you know, I, that's goes on to why I did my run, but you know, the, the, it's one in 26 people have epilepsy. So it's like way more common than you think, but like there's one type of epilepsy that the, the seizure itself is butterflies in your like feeling of butterflies in your stomach or wow. one that where you just kind of like blank out. So when you go into a blank stare and you know, some people kind of zone out, but that is another, another kind of symptom or I guess sign of a seizure. So, wow. um, yeah. So I don't, I don't know. They, when I was 14, before I had landed on the medication that ended up working for so many years, they took me to um, Denver to a, to a um, hospital there. And they said, they took me off meds for two weeks. And so I was hooked up to electrodes to, on an EEG, just tethered to the wall for two what, weeks. What age would you have been then? 14. 14. Yeah. 14. Right. Uh huh. And um, stuck in a hospital at 14 years old when you're an yeah. athlete is terrible by the way yeah. let me just throw yeah. that out there but mm. we were, mm. they would pull like a row machine in my in my my room for me so I could do, I mean they were really great about it but um <laughs> when they when they took me maybe that was the beginning of my CrossFit day yeah I, I think know. that's where CrossFit <laughs> was born <laughs> yeah but so they um yeah they they took me off my meds and for for two weeks I wasn't and that, I had been having seizures a lot going up to that and so that's why we ended up doing this testing they took me off my meds and of course when I was in the situation to be tested they um 
never, I wasn't having a seizure. It wasn't, just wasn't happening. You know, the, the thing that I wasn't playing nice, I guess you could say, but then, um, they took, they took me into the radiology department and they, they said, they sat me down and they said, Jenny, when you feel a seizure coming on, just get up, push this button. It's going to put some dye into your IV. And when you have a seizure that will, um, the dye will go to your brain and help us figure out where it's coming from. That's the, I mean, how I understood it. And so, um, they put me in this room and it was just a typical hospital tiled floor. I was in this like pleather recliner kind of thing. And, um, they, there's a lot of things that can trigger seizures. And so they, one thing is flashing, flashing, oh, um, yeah. lights. And so they would flash the lights on and off and it didn't, it did its job. It ended up triggering a seizure, but I got up to go push the button. And the next thing I remember is I woke up in the, um, on the, on a gurney with my mom by me and I was just screaming and my face hurt and my head hurt. And I had had. Um, a tonic clonic, which is formerly called grand mal, which is what most people think of when they think of a seizure of someone falling and shaking. And so again, an example that just because I, this was the type of seizure I have, it's just affected in, in all sorts of different ways and you can have multiple kinds. So I was really lucky. That's the only um, tonic clonic I ever had. So that's Mm. great. And I was in a hospital when it happened. And as a result, they think they know where it came from. I have a scar on my brain, which they think is from when I had meningitis as a baby. Wow. So um, but explained a lot, you know, I think it was, it was, it was good and it was a good test. And I feel fortunate because again, I think I'm going to mess the stats up, but I think it's like two thirds of people will never know the cause of their epilepsy. It's just, wow. there's so many unknowns. Yeah. So wow. yeah, that's wow. my epilepsy journey, I guess. Wow. wow. <laughs> and so within that, was there an awareness? So the medication, obviously a major player, but where did um, actually exercise and nutrition fit into managing that? Mm. Um, you know, again, in the 90s, there wasn't a whole lot on that. It was still like, I mean, 90s was still like low fat and eat like snack wells and like processed food all the time, right? So mm-hmm. um, I luckily was born in a family of hunters. And yeah, we had some processed food in our life. I'm not saying that we ate perfect, but we always would have vegetables and meat and, you know, eat, eat real food. And um so doctors never talked about that, you know, they wanted me to be active. They like, as a kid, yeah, go play, be active, but be safe kind of thing. But there was never any guidance. And I still don't know, you know, I mean, I think we all have our own opinions with the medical field. I think it's an incredibly important part. Western mm. medicine, I think is mm. really great, but it's also, there's a lot of holes in the game and there's also, they just don't have time, you know, medical mm. professionals, they've got so much going on. They don't have time to learn the ins and the outs. And again, at that time, um epilepsy was just so unknown there was they didn't think that all of this would help but now we know and i know i mean i can feel it stress is one of the biggest things as we know with any condition right when you're stressed out everything is exasperated so um and stress looks very different so that's a big thing for me is stress and sleep is just really focusing on on sleep and getting enough sleep it's really bad if i don't um And of course, eating well and exercising, everything we talk about, you know, keeping your mind, your body and your, your soul happy and healthy. So, and I, I, you know, I, so this is my other part of the story, I guess I'm not done is when I was 33 and I changed to that new medication that, that worked to control seizures, but I was a zombie. I mean, Marcus came down and I was asleep on our garage floor. I just never came up. I just was so tired. Mm -hmm. I couldn't walk up the stairs and it was just, it knocked me on my buns. And so I went in and I talked to my neurologist and said, Hey, I'm not having seizures, but this medication is knocking me out. It's not a way that I can live my life. Would you be willing to have to work with me on going um, 
into more of a lifestyle changes. And so the ketogenic diet actually originated with epilepsy. I don't know. If yeah, I know. That, but in, yeah. 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 In yeah. the, tw- in, in the, like the 20s. And so um, being a nutritionist and being in the wellness space, I knew way more than my doctor. And I said, hey, you know, I'm, this is something I, I want to do. And let's back off the dosage of the medication and see if yeah. I can still keep control with um, changing my, my diet. And he said, that doesn't work. I'm not going to do it. And there is so much science showing that that works. Like it was, so I just looked at him and I paid my fee and I said, thank you. I will never be back in here again. (laughs) And I left and then here's something that I don't recommend for anyone, but um, I did it. (laughs) I, um, after that visit, without even telling Marcus or my family, because I knew that people would not be all about it. I Mm -hmm. started weaning myself off my medication Mm -hmm. and um, when I had, was it a half my dosage, I finally told Marcus and he was like, what the hell? Like, why are you not telling me this? And I said, well, I'm telling you now because I'm not going to drive now. I need to be off my meds and make sure, or I mean, I need to be, I need you to drive me everywhere. So that's why I'm telling you, I will not be driving for at least six months to make sure that I'm clear. And so, um, that was five years ago. Oh, but what sort of and period I... were you weaning yourself to the half dosage? What period? It took time. me, about, I want to say it took me about six months to get all six the way months. off. Yeah. All, to get all, all the way off. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I'm, I've been completely medication free um, and haven't seen a doctor, haven't seen a neurologist for it and seizure free for that time. So I feel really fortunate and, and I understand that it could come back at any time, but, yeah. Um, yeah. but not putting chemicals in my body means more to me. And I, you know, one thing that's interesting too, I don't know for you, I mean, I don't I mean, I don't know how much you want to talk about yourself on this, but yeah. I don't know if you've been on meds for your oh. mental health. But... Well, it's funny you you even saying this because I did, yeah. I am you, right? Because I, yeah. yes, I've, I've taken, I've been on um, antidepressants two lots of five years in my life. And each yeah. time I took, I, I, I did everything in my power to get every part of my life in order so that I could be well. And then I started weaning myself off and I didn't tell a doctor, I didn't tell any yeah. human. And I eventually, and very similar to you, and a number of months I came off yeah exactly the same yeah <laughs> yeah and it's I don't know how you felt but like being on med since I was eight years old I had no idea how foggy I had been my whole life like wow. just truly I mean I'm an athlete you're alert you can do things but overall like I just had this this I could focus so much more than I ever had been in my life like it was just very interesting to see the effect that anti-seizure medication has on your overall being yeah so and how how many years has that been that you came off how long five 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 years now five and a month yeah five years one month oh my gosh (laughs) and in that time you haven't had any seizures no you have the constant tingling but no seizures yeah and you know I've I mean I figured this out when I was little as well I didn't say this but I'm very lucky where sometimes I can and this is true for other people with epilepsy sometimes you can stop them so when I feel that tingling sensation intensify, I just stop whatever I'm doing, doesn't matter what it is, and I'll grab a hold of my arm, it's my right arm, so I grab it with my left hand and just grip super wicked hard on my arm and it's like, and focus and hold my arm in tight to my body and take some breaths and try to de-stress and calm and yeah. um, and that's happened a few times during the five years, but it's never broken into a seizure, so yeah, wow. I feel lucky. Wow, wow. Mm-hmm. wow. And how did this then lead you into CrossFit? Because it looks like that was the next major thing. Well, yeah, I mean, I went to went to college and played sports and did the whole thing. And I got my degree in fitness and wellness. So I was a um, newbie out of 
out of college, I was that new girl that knew everything in the gym and could help everyone when you're 20 years old, you know, you know, everything. And <laughs> when I, when I met Marcus, I came to Northern California. <clears throat> um, after we'd been together for a couple of years, I finally made the move out here. And we, um, there was a gym here, a local gym that used to be a CrossFit gym, but they had unaffiliated. And I um, started working there and I was, um, told, Hey, there's a strength competition in the little town next to us. I'm like, I don't even know what a strength competition is. And they said, well, just, you should compete in it. I said, well, when is it? They said it's next weekend. I said, okay, well, let's go over. So I did it and it was a CrossFit competition and I, oh. and I won. And I, they, I, I, when I won, they were like, you're really good. You should train for the CrossFit games. And this was in 2010, like 2010. Yeah. It was November, November of 2010. I think I was like, really? I, I don't even Honestly, know. I yeah. think my CrossFit journey started about then. <laughs> I think I walked into my first CrossFit gym, um, but I wasn't going to do CrossFit. I wanted to do high kneeling canoeing to make the Olympics. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you know it's funny it's like you want to make God laugh tell him your plans but yeah right. so I, I'm on a similar schedule to you go on oh that's so funny we do Isn't have it? these like parallel it's ridiculous. lives it's so fun. <laughs> um yeah so I they said you should train for the CrossFit Games I said I don't know what they are so I got online and I saw like Kristen Clever and uh-huh. Becca Boyd and all these girls flipping around on rings and throwing weights over their heads I was like this looks really fun I think uh-huh. I'm gonna do this and so I just started training by myself and the gym that I worked at, the guy um, wasn't very, the guy who told me that I should do it because he saw that I was decently talented. He then saw me in the gym training and I didn't like, I didn't, I'd never snatched a bar in my life. I didn't know what I was doing. And he yeah. said, I'm learning from YouTube, you know? And he said, he came and watched me one day and he said, you're not ready. You're not going to make it to the games. And this oh. is when I had already committed to training. And I was like, uh, F you, like more, more fuel for my fire. I was like, I absolutely am training. And so I did. And then 2011, that was 2011. Oh, so that yeah. next spring, like six months later, I went to the regionals and got second. And oh my God, you're joking. California. Yeah, know, it was great. Six it months was so, later, I think it was, I I think was, it was luck. Same. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I, I came third though. I'm sorry. I came third see, six see, months later. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. close. Yeah. And then that's when I met you because we met at the games in 2011. Yeah. Yep. And competed against each other. And it was such yep. a wild, fun ride. And then in 2012, I trained I knew what I was doing a little bit more and got to train under CJ Martin with Invictus and was lucky to be a part of that crew for a while and um got first in the NorCal region and got to the games and halfway through in 2012 I had to withdraw because I have a really bad neck from a water ski injury and it, I couldn't do handstand push-ups like my tricep wasn't firing at all yeah. and so just to stay safe on my neck I had to make a make a lifestyle call, not an athletic call of, Hey, I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to call it and pulled out. And, um, yeah, the story kind of goes on and on. Like, I, I, mm-hmm. I wonder, I'm like, the universe was like trying to tell me I shouldn't compete in CrossFit, even though I really mm-hmm. wanted to. But mm-hmm. then in 2013 is when you said I got hit by a car. I actually was sorry. riding my bike home from work and I got hit by a, another cyclist. They T-boned ah, me and I yep. mm-hmm. tried to jump off my bike and I broke my foot the day before the open. And so that's when I was doing the open on one foot. I was working with um, Kelly Starrett of the Ready State, which used to be the mobility wad. He's a good friend of ours. And he's like, I called him. I was like, dude, I broke my foot. He's like, so? <laughs> no. Like, no, like my season's over. He's like, no, it's not. He's like, just do the open in a boot. So, yep. so yep. we creatively did it. And obviously I did not make the make regionals that year, but it was, it was, you know, that was like the beginning yeah. of knowing, like, you know, as a young, young athlete still knowing, okay, this is way bigger than what my performance is. And so that's when I got to see the, like got to inspire people that had going through adversity and like, you guys can still do it. You just have to 
use your brain and modify a little bit and still keep moving. And I'm, so I'm that was great. sure I watched you and I watched your whole workout, um, doing <laughs> your qualifier for the open. You were in a moon boot. I'm sure it was a box jump, wasn't it? There was a box jump well, workout. It was, but I did, um, I did step up. So step I put ups. one, one, cause I couldn't jump off of that one leg. It was too high. So I put the, I think how'd I do it? I put the boot knee on the bench and then brought my good leg up on top and stood yep. up and then reversed yep. it. So yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> the hardest yep. though, I got to tell you, like muscle ups were okay. I was just like, it was heavier because you have yeah. a weighted boot on, Whited. but the double unders were no. wicked. <laughs> I'm sure I think I saw you do like maybe it was a double under it was double under snatch box jump thing uh, in a moon boot I and I yeah I it was something like that I just remember being in utter utter awe of you oh you're um, sweet. you're sweet. I was so you would have done the same thing you would have done the same without a, oh yeah I've had my bloody <laughs> yeah same I had oh, the yeah. well actually I think I had my fra- fracture the neck and my femur um oh, yeah so oh. similar so you with your moon boot, I had a fracture of the neck of the femur um, leading into the 2012, yeah, open and uh, I did make regionals and my commitment to myself during the open was if I'm, if, if I hurt my, I'm not going to do no harm, right? Do the open, yeah. do no harm, do right. your best, see what happens. If there's, if I'm going to do something that will hurt me, um, I won't do it. That'll be the end, but it never happened. I, I did manage yeah. to see it through to regionals that year, but yeah. So very, very similar again. Yeah, um, we do find awesome. a way you, you just adapt, adapt, adapt. You're just like, okay, circle yeah. back around. What can I do? What can I do? Exactly. What can I do? Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it was fun. Like it honestly was fun and it distracted me. It was after the five weeks of the open that I started crying. Cause I was like, yeah. Oh man, like yeah. I don't get to compete this year. And I was at yeah. my strongest, you know, like I felt mm. my best, but during it, it was kind of a game, like, okay, what's going to be the workout and how are we going to modify it? This is going to yeah. be fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel so, so similarly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so where did your CrossFit um, journey go from 2013? Well, so then in 2013, the winter of 2013, our house, we had a little rental um, in town and it got hit by a car and everything in it was ruined. So all of a oh. sudden we didn't, and we were, we were down in San Diego training. So luckily we weren't there and our dogs weren't there. So Rudy was safe, but we lost everything. I mean, they ruined the house. It was tiny and everything inside of it. So we didn't of have any, anything except for, <laughs> well, I know it's crazy, but, yes. but it's okay. Like it all worked yeah. out. So that's what ex, where this goes with my CrossFit games is it expedited yeah. our building process of our home that we live in now. Cause we always knew we wanted to build it with our own hands. My dad's a lifetime, oh. um, contractor and so he's been a, a framer and carpenter his whole life and I knew a lot and Marcus knows a lot so we decided to do it ourselves and I did that while training for the CrossFit Games in 2014 while mm-hmm. also working full-time probably not a good mix but wow. um, I still went to regionals I got I think seventh or eighth at regionals that year and my you know I was I just kind of went in it for fun and I was done I you know after that I was I just didn't I wanted to think about maybe having a family and focus on I missed I miss so badly going camping without worrying about missing training. I missed yeah. going for a mountain bike ride and not worrying if I fell and broke my wrist. I wonder, yeah. I mean, I don't want to fall and break my no. wrist, but you know, the risk of yeah. the risk of injury with other activities that just brought so much to my life that I, in those four years of training and competing really hard, I missed, you know, and I, I realized I probably was never going to be the best in the world with that attitude. And <laughs> as a result, decided that, hey, you know, I would rather enjoy my family and the mountains than spend time in a gym. <laughs> yeah, it's a very big thing, isn't it? Um, 
CrossFit and training for CrossFit is a total immersion experience and um, you do have to put a lot of things that you are passionate about on the back burner. Um, And I don't think it's hard to understand if you're not in that, um, in that space. So I I completely relate. And you do have to be, it it is 150% commitment if you want to be the best in the world, which it would appear that that's that was your goal <laughs> to be my very very best, and that will take yeah. me all the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think you know, I it was. I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel so fortunate that I, I was in CrossFit when mm. I was, mm. as oh. opposed to now, now. when it's like, <laughs> uh, or even three years ago. You know, before everything has changed. But it's just a. Um, it was so organic and raw. Still, it you know, like it was still about. It. Yeah, about friendships and camaraderie, and yep. it didn't matter if you were sponsored or if you were wearing sneakers shoes from yeah. Target. Like it didn't matter. Like you were just out there enjoying it and challenging yourself. And I just feel really lucky to have been a part of it. Then it's so true, isn't so. it? Because when I started CrossFit, I was doing everything in my running shoes. You know, because I, right. I came from a triathlon <laughs> background. So yeah, right. everything was triathlon. I was um running shoes so real um spongy heel you know when you're squatting and yeah I didn't learn the hook grip for like a year (laughs) right I don't even know what it was it made such a difference I know it's so good but yeah so that's I mean that's when I quit CrossFit was 2014 I did the open you know a couple other times 2017 Mm. and I think I just randomly signed up last year just to see what would happen yes (laughs) just for fun how was that like I don't train it was great. You know, I like would rest when I was tired. <laughs> I mean, honestly, rather than I, just like pushing. Looking at your body, it doesn't look like it's changed. You just look the same oh, as sweet. when you were in CrossFit. You look sweet. so like you have this, you're so lean, but you've got this amazing um, thickness in, in your muscles in all the right places. Oh, and it, it just, you. you just look so like you just, yeah, you just look really good really really good I mean I still I don't want to say that like I'm still in the gym at least three to four days a week you know I think I'm a huge believer in it I I don't love the gym I don't know how you feel about that like I would way rather be outside but I also know that being climbing up mountains and skinning up mountains is a lot easier when I'm stronger and healthier and absolutely like aesthetically I'm there's nothing wrong with a little vanity it's you want to look good you know so you've got to do some strength training to make that happen I love um you know I love because your body it just looks so balanced you look thick in the right places your musculature your leanness and that's you know and it's not about oh you know am I going to look good for whatever a photo social media it's more a reflection of of levels of, of values, of discipline, of a commitment to health and fitness. Like you, you really are, you know, that you can tell, you can look at someone, you pick up their energy, you pick up the vibration of it. But yeah, you really are, um, you know, the fitness, nutrition, adventure um, in a, in a physical body, you know, if you were to Thank represent you. you too, <laughs> you too, my friend, you too. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So you, so 2014, yes. Okay. So you, yep. you ended up at regional seventh and then it was like, no, that's it. Um, so mm-hmm. how did Move Mountains charity run? Yeah. Uh, how did that come to fruition? Because I, I was the same. I ran a thousand kilometers over 30 days to raise awareness and money for suicide and uh, mental illness. Mm-hmm. Now you ran 500 miles across Colorado in 31 days. You raised $52,000. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and please, um, how did that come about uh, and how was yeah. that and how were your toes? <laughs> <laughs> my, to- 
<laughs> you know how my toes were. Uh, my toes were terrible. They were so beat up. Weren't yours? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, they still are <laughs> now. So I've ugly. still got nerve damage in one <laughs> toe. I do too. Yeah. And I have the weirdest thing. This is so gross, but I'll tell you, cause I want to know if it happened to you. Yeah. The toenails that I lost my toenails on. Cause I lost yeah. like, I think six toenails the cuticles grow so fast on them still. I don't know why. Like I have to cut them every week. <laughs> no, I cannot say that I have that experience. This In this we are not <laughs> similar. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. But, but anyways, I, yeah, I – go ahead. No, I was just going to say, strangely enough, for me, um, when I when I sleep, so when I lie down in bed on my back and when, you know, like your toes are right up, like upwards, yeah. and, the, and the blankets all rest on my tips of my toes, I actually can't sleep like that I can't lie like that the pressure of the um oh, weight wow. of the yeah so there's something there my body remembers you did this to me and this is the consequences yeah, yeah so it's mine <laughs> you like you pounded me into the front of a shoe for too long I don't even want to blanket on it yeah <laughs> I mean that 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 for yeah. me was a huge challenge my toes the whole thing my toes yeah. my toes like I had all yeah. sorts of strategies for every day every every five k's or every two hours I would change things around yeah I, I'm not yeah. sure um what your yeah, journey was with that um it was just surviving like yeah for sure so well how did it start let me yeah that. Please. So I, um, what was it I think in like March of 2015 I Marcus and I watched a documentary called uh wow into the wind by yeah. it was a story about Terry Fox and if you guys have never watched that no. watch it it is awesome it's called into the wind and it's a story mm-hmm. about a guy in the 80s who had osteosarcoma and ended up having to have his leg amputated and his journey he wanted to raise awareness for um cancer and he ran from coast to coast through canada he was a canadian and so i'm not going to tell you any more than that but when i watched it i finished and i looked at marcus and i i said i immediately said uh we gotta i gotta do something for epilepsy like this is you know this is this something has to happen and then then life happened and got a little busy and we were it was june we were driving home to colorado to go see my family and we were driving through the mountains and i just got this like like feeling and energy through my body that gave me goosebumps. And I looked at him mm-hmm. and, he said, I'm, and I said, I'm going to run across the Rockies and run across Colorado for epilepsy. And I immediately called my friend, Brian McKenzie, who at the time was running uh, CrossFit um, endurance, or he had just get, got done with it. And I said, Hey, Brian, what do you think? He's like, absolutely. He's like, you have the, the um, endurance to do it. Already. He's like, you absolutely yep. can. I said, okay, well, will you program? Cause I don't even know where to begin to program for something like this. And he said, <laughs> he's like, he's, he's like, yeah, for sure. He's like, um, he goes, the only thing he's like, I'll program for you. You just have to buy Wim Hof. And if you don't know what Wim Hof is, it's all yeah. about breathing. And oh. ironically now, Brian McKinsey runs an entire, his whole life is about, it's called shift and it's his whole business is around breathing. So he was wow. early stages of all that stuff. He's amazing. But anywho, so yeah. he, um, he said, I said, okay, well, like, I don't want to train for a year for this. So tell me yeah. what, like, mm-hmm. when do you think I can re- realistically do it? He said, he's like September. And I'm thinking, oh man, that's like a year and tw- two months away. He's like, no, no, no like no. this September, you're going <laughs> in two months. So I was like, okay, months. all right. So we're doing it. So I, in that time I had organized the run and the, like the promotional events. Cause that was a big part of it. I know for you too, is to like get the word out. So mm-hmm. stopping at hospitals and CrossFit gyms and all over the place, park, local parks and trying to spread the word, but also making the route and getting the logistics set up and the food. And you did it all. A lot that goes, I did it all. I did it all. Yeah. I don't know. I just did it. So yes. set it all up. And then, um, on September 19th of 2015, I found myself on the New Mexico border of Colorado and 
31 days later, I found myself on the Wyoming border of Colorado. So I ran up and over the Rockies down from south to north. Um, and it was by far the most magical thing I've ever done in my entire life. So tell me about yeah. this. Did you, um, was there an epilepsy body that you uh, represented or um, connected with? Um, so my fun, yeah, yeah. my How fundraising that... went, yeah, I, I reached out to a couple of the bigger organizations and um, there's two, there's one called Cure and one called the Epilepsy um, Foundation, the National Epilepsy Foundation. And I did mine with the National Epilepsy Foundation and um, they were great. They were super supportive. And after the run, I ended up working with them for a couple of years in their wellness program. I kind of developed their wellness program. So it led to a little, Aww. little blip of a different career, which was awesome, but they, um, yeah, they, that's, I raised money for them and I raised money for research. So, um, we got $52,000 and I still pinch myself that it actually happened. That's, I didn't, I didn't think there was, I mean, people were so generous and I, I don't know what you ran into Amanda, but as like, oh. I was running, you know, like people would come up. Yeah. It was about epilepsy, but it was about adversity. You know, that's what it ends up being about. And people from all walks of life, they see you running, they see as you come into town or whatever, and they throw you 20 bucks and they tell you the story about their mom dying of cancer or their sister struggling with ALS or whatever it is. And it just was such a good reminder of humanity and how precious it is and how most people are so good and, we just need to support each other, you know, especially with the way the world is right now. Like I go back to that of how mm. really, I think innately we, we all have way more in common than we think. Mm. And we're just trying so hard to just split our sides. And it's, it's, um, it's mm. just heart wrenching to me. So mm. um, I don't want to get into a huge political debate of the world right now. No, we've got but, way better things to talk about. <laughs> yeah, but, but I think that that was the big takeaway of it, you know, like, I did this for epilepsy, but I did not do it for epilepsy. You know, I did it for, I did it for humanity and just yeah. doing something way bigger than yourself, you know, as an athlete yourself doing triathlons and doing CrossFit and same thing for me, always being an athlete for it's, it's so selfish. Like you have, and yeah. I mean that in a positive way, like you have to be selfish. You have to be selfish and that's not negative. Um, but I didn't want to be selfish anymore. You know, it's such an interesting thing. And I'm interested to know if you experienced this too, but so my moment of, um, the, the light bulb moment, I was sitting on the toilet. I'd been, I'd come back from the, cause I'd done the CrossFit games. I think I'd won maybe my second gold in masters. And then I went on to, um, compete in grid, which ah. I traveled all over the country, planes, trains, automobiles, horrible food, hotels like late I mean poor warm like it was a disaster for me and I fell into a pit of despair of of depression after that um that stayed with me for quite some time it was horrendous um and that's why I'll I'll never Mm -hmm. like I really honor myself to protect myself now but um in that in that space I was sitting on the toilet uh, in my little house and um, it came to me, I have to run a thousand kilometers for suicide and mental illness. That was it. It was a, it was yeah. totally clear. And then the rest followed. But what I wanted to do was to be of service. Do you know, I wanted to mm-hmm. give back. I just wanted people to know they weren't alone and you yep. know, that it's just take one more step, one foot in front of the other. Nonetheless, what happened and this floored me was I thought I was doing service, but what I was given in return during that run in the lead up on the run afterwards, like I was given so much back. I never, ever, ever expected to receive. Like I was going just to give. And that, I found that actually one of the most um, 
perplexing things how much by being so selfless it, it almost felt selfish <laughs> do you know yeah yeah no I totally know I love that that's such a good good way of putting it and I that's what I think what I mean by like there's just humanity is innately good like mm-hmm. people want to help each other mm-hmm. you know if you put goodness out goodness will come back and and you know if you like you said, you went to be completely selfless. And as a result, people were selfless right back to you, which ends yes. up making it feel like selfish because you're getting, oh, you know, it's, it's all, it's the player. It's the pay it forward. It's like this little ecosystem yeah. of service and um, paying yeah. it forward. Yeah. Yeah. So did you have people run with you? Join um, you? So people would, I had a couple people. So in the very, this actually, I think is why my feet blew up so much in the beginning. The first, I didn't uh, like you, I like, I had never done this. I didn't know what to do. I just was winging it. I, the longest I'd ever run was one marathon and decided mm-hmm. I never wanted to do that again. So um, anyways, I, when I showed up, I had put it out to people who in the, it was mostly the CrossFit community because I was so fresh out of CrossFit that had reached out and people who had epilepsy. Yeah. There was a gym owner that had epilepsy in his family. There was another woman who was a CrossFit coach. And then one of our good friends, Marcus is actually a um, good friend from growing up, came up from Arizona. And so we started that way. Um, and one thing that I realized the first two days, um, our friend Matt, who came, wonderful human, amazing human. I'm so grateful he was there, but his pace was slower than mine. And I stayed with him. Yeah. And I realized very quickly that you cannot do that because mm-hmm. they get to go home after two days and you still have 29 days of running. So um, my feet blew up the second day because I had spent so much time on them that day, so much more time than I naturally would have. They got really swollen. And um, yeah, so they, they, I was in pain from day two, like agonizing pain from day two every morning. (laughs) You just have to, like, I would just wait. I don't know if it's like, I would wait for the first mile or two to just be over so that my feet would go numb, you know, like, okay, now I can keep going. Oh my gosh. Yes. But but yes. yeah, so I did have people join me and um, it was just like usually spontaneous. You know, some people, there was one woman who was driving down the road and she saw me running up this mountain path and she started honking and she pulled over and she jumped out and she's like, I'm an ultra runner. Do you want a buddy? I said, yeah. She's like, what I, are you doing? And I got, got to tell her and it was awesome. I think I saw your posts about that. I remember that so well. I just thought that <laughs> was quite extraordinary. I, I was yeah. similar because um, I had lots of people join me, school groups and yeah. individuals and yeah. a woman who came, she ran 30Ks that day with me. She never told oh, wow. me that that was the anniversary of her daughter taking her life. you know and she just came Uh, she joined me and she left and that's what it was like it gives me goosebumps thinking about it but for me I just want to share this with you too because um it was such a it was like I drove a thousand kilometers to the start place of my run and in that time I got very sick with a flu Mm -hmm. like a pneumonia I thought I was going to die so four days later after dosed up with antibiotics but I was coughing so much when I started that I basically um blew hemorrhoids out um oh no yeah and I spent the whole run in like agonizing pain as if a knife was basically yeah and um Uh, and and my friend um who drove the bus behind me she said she kept saying Amanda like this is not a hemorrhoids awareness run do you know this is a suicide (laughs) um you know and mental health run away but you know it was such a big thing um so yeah Yeah. it was um but that pain became my meditation uh during the run yeah it's like you got you just you got to live with it. You got to be with it, right? Yeah, you just yeah. have to have to do it. 
yeah. my god, that's so I'm so sorry. I had it's, no idea. I had to have been miserable. Oh, it was I will yeah, never was complain about my feet. I'll never complain <laughs> oh about my, my feet. <laughs> oh my gosh. I had a woman. I'm sorry, I don't mean to talk but too much, but um no, in good. one of the uh, shopping arcades I went to one afternoon after finishing the run to grow and grab some food, this woman just suddenly out of out of nowhere she came, she said, Amanda, Amanda, you know, I've um I've got something for you. I've been carrying this for you. It was a Dr. Wheatgrass. And she said, this will fix, she had a tube of it. This will fix your hemorrhoids. Like this oh, woman. Wow. Yeah, I know. It was like, so. Awesome. Was like, Did it? <laughs> no, no, it didn't. <laughs> but the love, no, the love it. fixed everything. Yeah. Yeah. So um, please let, let, let go on. So um, yeah. yeah. How did you manage um, mentally? but also nutritionally. And then how did you divvy up? How did you decide that? Did you run a particular set hours per day or a distance per day? I mean, how did you break it down? I did distance um, because I was on, I made myself kind of like a schedule again for my promotional event. So I chose to, which yeah. I would not do this again. Mm-hmm. I chose to do it like all on main roads and highways because mm-hmm. I wanted to be visible. I wanted yeah. people to see. And so yeah. that happened, you know, people would stop on the side of the highway and give cash to our to our group or what I would or they would like run me off the road that happened too, where people would <sighs> legitimately try like you're not supposed to be running here and so they would try to run you off the road I had to jump over guardrails and stuff but nice. I chose to do I know right mm-hmm. I chose to keep a um a mile so that I would end up at certain places for those promotional events yeah um which worked well for me I think having a destination as opposed to just hours worked better for me yeah um and so that's how I broke it up that way. And I forgot what your other questions were. I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, no. I was just wondering, <laughs> how did you manage your nutrition and your mindset? Like, oh. um, you know, the levels of fatigue, like how did you manage all of that? Yeah. So nutrition, I failed miserably. The no. first two weeks I lost 14 pounds. So um, I did not fuel properly, but I didn't know this again. I, I didn't know, but now that I read more endurance books, like ultra books, I realized that like your hunger shuts off. And yeah. so I wasn't, I, did you like, I, was oh, I just couldn't eat. Like, my, I don't want to eat. No, my no. friend was force feeding me to eat, you know? And yeah, yeah I'm interested yeah. to know what you had. Cause I had a bit like homemade rice cream, you know, like dairy and yeah. sugar and rice. And then I had Vegemite yeah. and, um, butter on crackers. They seem to work and porridge. Yeah massive porridge um oats yeah that's great so before my run I my mom one of my mom's friends owned a kitchen and she said Jenny I would love to donate food for you and I was like oh my goodness this is amazing I won't have to it's going to be amazingly cooked food and I won't have to prep it it's going to be wonderful and so she made all these meals and I she's like well what do you want and I said you know like I I still want to eat pretty clean I don't want to have a bunch of crap so like good protein and rice and some veggies would be great every you know every meal and she made these amazing polenta muffins and Mm. um breakfast every every day for breakfast I had two hard-boiled eggs and a banana and I would make myself eat that before I ran so I ate that before I ran and then um I couldn't eat while I was running I just couldn't do it so I just just slammed electrolytes that was what I was keeping myself on and then um after the run I would have that kind of meat and rice and veggies thing and usually I'm one of those polenta muffins and then Mm. At dinner, I usually wasn't hungry. So it was kind of like whatever is there of that same stuff. And that's what I was doing the first two, the first two weeks. And that's when I (laughs) I saw my mom met me and she's like, "Uh, you are really skinny. She's like really, really skinny. She said, you have to eat more. And so then I started bringing some crap in. Like I was like, okay, well, I'm going to have peanut M&Ms. And I started eating a bunch more calorically dense that was just sweet and fast energy. And so, um, it was awesome. And it took me about 
probably a year and a half to kick the peanut butter M and M crepe. Oh no! <laughs> I just yeah. loved it. Oh, completely. Did you understand. have any? Did you eat any junk food, or did you stay really clean the whole time? No, I didn't care about being clean. Um, but I did have to force feed, and yeah, I was. I needed simple carbs and yep. sugary, kind of sugary sweet stuff. And then at night, yeah. I seemed to eat um very simple foods again like sausages you know real um and potato like I just um I couldn't really do a lot of fiber um and yeah I don't remember lollies and things or sweets or whatever lollies (laughs) I think that's an Aussie saying um but I did yeah I desperately needed uh, I had yeah porridge honey Lots of bananas, yep. lots of rice yep. and force feeding yep. all of that stuff constantly. Because I, I, yeah, a few times I was like, oh, I don't need to eat that much. I didn't want it. I'd, I'd, I'd secretly not eat at all and my friend wouldn't realise. And then I'd, I'd crash, you know, a few hours yeah. later I'd be, I'd be bonking. And then I realised, right. oh, that's me running on empty so I need to do something about it. So we came up with a, yeah, on the fly we kept adjusting the strategy. So every five kilometres I would stop, eat something, she'd have something ready for oh, me. Wow. And then I'd stop yeah. at halfway and have a bigger feed. Yeah, so I, it was like every hour basically I had to eat something. Yeah, that's smart. That's but a, I had my dogs with smart me. Approach. I don't know if you know, but I have my two wolfhound crosses I, with I me. forgot yeah. you told Did they run a lot of it with you? Yeah, my, my the first day, two days, one of my dogs, Ishka, he ran um, the full distance because I did 31Ks a day. But his oh, wow. paws were really bad because I was running on horrible open, you know, highways. Yeah. So he got yeah. the first 15 kilometres every morning and then he was back yeah. in the van. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And Our my other dog got sick. Whole time so, too, yeah. Hey, yours was? Oh, no. Did he oh, run? No. Did he um, run with you? They, well, kind of like, your, I mean, not as much as your, your Ishka, I think you called Yeah, Ishka. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, they were with us because we had like a same, like your your friend that was with you. I had Marcus was with me and one of our other friends in a, um, like a, basically a truck with a motorhome on or a camper yeah. on top of it kind of yeah, thing so time. we had a little mm-hmm. mini mini kitchen and stuff but mm-hmm. um they the dogs were in there and they would come out and run like a mile or two if it wasn't a busy section you know yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah oh that's so beautiful yeah and I you need do them. them I did no, and, I was um, say afterwards you need to cuddle them after you're oh, done running <laughs> oh uh, that's it and they would just like I would lie in the back of the motorhome I just completely passed out did you use compressed yeah. compression gear compression socks and I, I did at night yeah, yeah I put same. on my calves at night yeah yeah Yep. And, I don't and, know. I, like, kind of nothing worked to no, make it feel better. No, you just keep turning <laughs> up. But tell me, um, yeah. tell me the toe story. So, how bad were they, and what did you, um, just a, you know, for my own um, fascination, what did you use, yeah. and how did you use Vaseline? Did you use padding? Did so you use tape? I ended, up, I ended up using these like little teeny tiny gel pads, and they they're it's like like a second skin almost, but it's not sticky like it's yep. like a little gel pad I don't even remember what it's called but yep. I put those once the blisters had started and the open wounds had started I just surrounded the toe with that and then put k-tape around it kinesio tape around that or rock tape I think is what it was but yeah. put that around each toe so I kind of made my own individual socks so they wouldn't yeah. rub um yeah. and then I wish I would have had toe socks that's would have been a game changer I oh, think I at don't that know. point but I'm not sure but mm. uh, mm-hmm. did you use them no I, I did take some yeah. but I just couldn't use yeah. them um yeah yeah I don't know so I I think part of it and I can say this now because I'm not sponsored by them but I was sponsored by Reebok and so I ran in Reeboks and they yep. sucked they yep. were terrible yeah not terrible not for that 
job. No, yeah. I, I think if I would have been in, I, now I run in, I used to run in ultras and now I run in Topo Athletics, which is a really wide toe box. Yeah. Um, that would have been way better. But yeah, they were gnarly. I think, you know, my feet yeah. were so swollen. Toes were so swollen. They, toenails were falling off. They're just open wounds all over them. Just yeah. gross. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I it was like it's... they were just completely curled under. Like I felt my toes yeah. curled under. Did yeah. you feel that? Oh, oh, everything. Like the pain was just, as I say, it just became a meditation, truly. Uh-huh. The pain yep. was a meditation. And yeah, I wouldn't yeah. have known what to do without it if it had just suddenly been taken away. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, well, cool. tell me, um, I would love to, because um, I think we've got like a good about half an hour and I would love to, yeah delve into where you went from there because you started I think you started your own gym but you also started the wild woman adventures yeah 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 so yeah I think it was gosh I don't even remember all these what years fell into what here so I had started before my run so in April before my run I had started my own gym April 1st I had started my own we have the the home that we built is in it's a basically a loft in a big metal building and so beneath it is a gym and I just um, built that out so I ran my own small gym and private training studio out of here and I did that up until the pandemic and when that happened I just everybody was so generous to move online with me um, yeah. and we just they they wanted to stay online it was you know I kind of live out in the country so it was more convenient for a lot yeah. of people and now I've got people from you know, Washington, like all over the United States and even people in Africa that take my classes oh. or there's, um, a, you know, I, I actually coach live on Zoom still, but they um, also are recorded. So people just want to do the recorded version. So whatever. So that's, yeah. that's still the, the gym is still there. It's just not a physical presence. Yeah. Um, I still do some personal training in it, but um, mostly it's that and nutrition coaching that I do online. Mm-hmm. Um, and so let's see, after I opened the gym, the wild women. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was my next big thing is I think it, we were just wa- kind of like when you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to run, across, yeah. I'm going to run mm-hmm. 500 or a thousand kilometers. It's kind of the same thing. I was on a hike with Marcus and I looked at him and I said, I'm going to start doing women's retreats, adventure retreats. And he said, like, he's just so supportive. He's like, okay, cool. He's like, let me know how I can help. <laughs> so, so I, that was, I think in July and in September, I ran my first one and they're just, um, I take women out into the woods. We go camping and sometimes they're, you know, tent camping. We did one that was in a cabin and we went horseback riding and we did a hundred mile bike, mountain bike ride in the desert one time. So there's, there's different <laughs> levels of that, of intensity. And some of them are just, you know, like we went, learned how to fish, learn how to start a campfire, all those oh. kind of like basic survival skills, but really, you know, um, interesting enough, I have never been someone, I have like one or two really good girlfriends, but I've never been someone who loves to be around groups of women. Yes. Um, not, not because I don't love women, but because I don't love sometimes what happens when big groups of women come together, so a lot of strange, gossiping and yeah. Yes. And so I was really nervous about that. I wasn't nervous about anything else, but I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope I can handle this. And so my first retreat, there were seven or sorry, there were 15 women. Wow. I couldn't believe it. 15 people signed up, ended up finding out that was way too many. And I only take eight at a time now, but <laughs> it was 15 women and it was incredible it was absolutely incredible to see the love and the joy and the laughter yeah. and the, the tears and the support like one of the women had just this was her first trip away from um she had just had a baby and it was her first trip away from her baby and she 
her, she brought her pump, her breast pump and her breast pump broke when we were out in the middle of our hike and she felt like her boobs were going to blow up. And there happened to be a um, midwife with us who taught her how to, I think they call it self-express. I'm not a mom, so I don't oh, know. But wow. And taught her right there on the trail how to self-express. And it was absolutely amazing. Like that was when that happened, I was like, wow, this is again, Magic. way bigger than just taking women to learn how to start a campfire. You know, this wow. is about women coming together and every other one that I've done, I think I've done like seven or eight up to this point. There's never been a gossipy bickering, <sighs> like demeaning. It's all about love. And it's, and it's such a cool thing. Again, I attribute it to mother nature. I attribute it to being, you know, if you go out to dinner, with your girl or the big group of girls, that might not be the same scenario. But when you're mm. in a vulnerable environment that maybe isn't like you're not used to, um, and you're relying on each other for support, and Mother Nature is there to just put ease in your heart and let all the other shit go, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, I completely so. relate to that. And you brought your energy, you set the stage, and uh, your intentions yeah. were very, very clear. Yeah. I love it. And I haven't done, I haven't done one since the pandemic hit. I was going to do one this summer. No, I, you know, I just, it was, we, we've had some, we have some pretty vulnerable people in our family that we live with. So we were really, um, we were pretty isolated there for a little bit just to protect them. But um, yeah, we, I want to, I I might do one this year. Um, I actually have another big adventure that I'm going to do on my own this year. So um, Uh we'll end up seeing what happens with that. But yeah, the wild women adventures are they're so fun. I want to do them again. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's tough times and you're obviously so capable of adapting with, you know, all of that love and inspiration and values in your heart. Um, so what, um, I, I know you said earlier you were talking about um, you switching medication when you were 33 um, with the yeah. hope of having children. Have you, you haven't had children, have you? I have not, No. And I have is, two, well, I have one now, but I have two yellow labs. They're, uh, my, blonde, they're my blonde babes. So <laughs> you, no, no you, human children. Are you able to? I am. I yeah. am able. Well, I don't know. I mean, I've never, believe I've, so. not, yeah. I've never been pregnant. Yeah. But yeah there's, yeah. yeah, there's just other life factors that haven't made that happen. And, yeah. you know, yeah. I think it's going to probably always be a hole in my heart yeah. a little bit to yeah. not have my own family. Yes. Um, but there's also some pros to it. I don't, yeah. I don't know. You don't, you don't have children. I don't know if you no. want to talk about that at all for no, you. No, no, I'm yeah, very open. No, I never wanted to. I honestly never wanted yeah. to. And I think that was more a reflection of my own childhood. I just didn't want to mm. repeat that. And, and to be yeah. quite honest, like I never found myself in a relationship where that was something we would have wanted to do anyway. So it never, ever, it never, never came up for me it was never to be um and every now and again I have a pain I think well who's going to be there for me (laughs) when I get old you know yeah have children um yeah but I'm I I I feel very strongly that as a an in a woman um on her own health mission that I without children I have a role to play a place in the the tribe of women who are mine um, I get to contribute something um, as a yeah. wise woman into that a mix where other women have so many other responsibilities. So I think there's a, a place for That's me. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 I love that. Yeah. And it seems to me there's yeah. a very strong and important place for you too in the lives yeah, of many know, women. Think, well, I hope so. I think we all kind of kind of have a role in there somewhere, you know, otherwise we wouldn't be here. We all have a purpose. We just got to find it. <laughs> 
And yeah, so, I, you know, it is, it's the, you do, you go to that fear of, well, who's going to take care of me when I'm 85 or 90 years old? And I'm like, well, hopefully I'll have a good tribe of people that still can do that. So correct. we'll be okay. Correct. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so tell me about, um, so I, I just would love to know a little bit more about how you're working with women now um, in yeah. the current climate that we uh, live in. Yeah. So um, I, most of my clientele are women. I think I have oh, maybe like five men that I work with. Not that I, not that I don't want to work with men outside yep. of my water skiing. Water skiing is mostly men, but um, yeah, it's. I think it's just who what who gravitates to what I what I um, believe in. You know, I think that's more of the direction. But it's mostly women and mostly women of like fifty five, sixty and older. So that's mm. about my my age range and the women are incredible. And I think my, the, what do we do? We work on all things wellness, just like all of us, you know, but they come to me for some fitness, but we end up talking about nutrition and mindset and mental health and um, sleep and stress and the whole, the whole thing. It's wellness in general. And um, the, that's my day-to-day stuff. You know, I do, I do private nutrition. So I do help women, um, mostly it's hormone stuff that we're working on mm. typically right blood sugar handling and, and mm-hmm. hormone hormone stuff but um yeah i mean that's my day-to-day stuff but again i would say as soon as i can get back to wild women that's where my just like love passion. and passion is mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. so what about um so i imagine that you obviously walk the talk without without any doubt so can you talk me through what how you care for your health and well-being in terms mm. of your own nutrition, your own mindset, um, your own meditation practices, your, your, how does your day or week, how is it structured with your movement to allow you to live the life that, that you do live with the inspiration that you are? Yeah. <laughs> so, again, I feel so fortunate that I have figured out how to run my own business and be able to set my own schedule within reason. And that has taken me a long time to not take on more and more and more and think, oh, more clientele, more people. I want to help more people realizing that that doesn't work. Like you've got to take on enough to be able to help people and to be able to pay your bills and live a life. But Mm. the rest of the time, it's okay to not, to not be working towards something and to just be okay with being. And so how does that look? I, you know, depending three days a week, I run classes in the morning and I finally have gotten to a point where I do not have split schedules. I won't do afternoon stuff anymore. Yep. So mm-hmm. I have gotten to where I'm done living that life. And it's like, that was probably the biggest thing professionally that gave back to my own personal life was yeah. having everything in a, in a window. Yeah. Um, I make sure that I am outside as much as possible. So if I, if it's nice outside, I take my computer outside. I work outside. Mm-hmm. I um, am in my garden I, or my, whether it's my flower garden or my um, vegetable garden, I'm in that daily trying to get in the dirt, get my hands and my feet in the dirt. Um, I run, I mountain bike, I get on the trail as much as I can. As far as I prioritize sleep, I try to be in bed by 9 p.m. How, how much sleep? But how many hours? You like to get a night? No less than eight. I do not do well with less yep, than eight. I'm so same. I try eight, to go for eight, eight, eight to nine, nine hours. Yeah. <laughs> eight to nine yeah. optimal. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's great. And then um, I I mean, nutrition, I just, I do, have never done a diet. I have never weighed and measured. I am, 
I am just not that kind of a person. Yeah. I just kind of go with my gut feeling. Um, and I, I, I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, so yeah. I, I have some, some education in nutrition, but I, I eat real food and I make my own food. And mm. I used to hunt when I was in Colorado, Marcus and I have just been shooting our bows again. So I'm going to get back into archery to be able to hunt my own, my own, um, game. So I have my mm. own, own meat, um, and grow mm. my own food. I always go to local farmers markets and buy from local ranchers and farmers as much as I possibly can. Um, let's see what else stress. Like that's the, that's the biggest thing. I, that's probably where I could use the most work, but also I hope that my lifestyle, yeah. um, manages that, that a little bit on its own. Yeah. yeah. Um, I try to, you know, as I have tried to be a meditator, I've tried to sit <laughs> and do the meditation and I, I don't know if you ever listened to Alan Watts, but yeah. I um, am not a sit and meditate kind of person. Yeah. I just, I just don't, I don't enjoy it. It's not, you know, people say I can't do it. I know it's not about being like mindless. It's about being aware. And I just, I don't enjoy it. And so my meditation comes from being in my garden or mm. going for a walk really slowly and just sitting on a rock and looking at the trees and listening to the birds. So yeah my meditation innately comes into my life every day in nature. Yeah. I'm so yeah. much the same. And, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. nature is my backyard. Like that's one thing I also, I, I could just never live in a city. I feel so lucky that I, I'm talking to you right now, looking out at a lake with a bunch of cedar trees on it and birds flying around, you yes. know, I feel yes. Yes. really, really lucky. So, and you get, I feel like you and I walk such oh, parallel paths. That's silly. <laughs> Honestly, it is. I mean, the whole mm -hmm. nature thing as well. Like I'm, yeah, I'm as, um, I've got as much skin exposed to the sun as possible. My, my, yes. my feet are bare. I immerse myself yeah. in nature. I just, I love the sounds of nature. You know, I might go mm -hmm. for a huge long walk. Um, and then I, I will sit at the end of it and just listen listen yeah. to the birds, listen to the roar of the river or the ocean and um, just mm -hmm. listen. And that, yeah, it's, um, there's something quite, and it's been very, very healing for me. And, um, and because I live with a, a, you know, my own anxiety, depression that fluctuates. So mm -hmm. all of these things are so critically important for me on a daily basis as a way of life. And I, I really feel that, um, you know, I am the medicine, my choices, my actions, mm -hmm. every single thing I do, that's the medicine that I want in my system, nature. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. And I think like one of the most important things that I'm, I mean, I know as I get older, I'm learning is to just remember to ask myself why, you know, so when things don't feel aligned or things don't feel right is to just take a moment and say, okay, well, why don't they? Yeah. And really sit in it. Don't just like, oh, well, I probably just need to sleep more. I need to drink more water. But that might not be what's going on. Like maybe you need to just, maybe it has nothing to do with anything that you're physically putting in or doing to your body, but it's the thoughts that you're putting in your head. So mm. to take time to journal or think, just think and sit and be with your own thoughts is probably, I think one of the most important things that we need to do as humans and we just don't do enough, you know? Yeah. Do you journal then? I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. And is that a daily practice? Um, it was for a long time and mm -hmm. I got out of it. And mm -hmm. as of January, it's been a daily practice again. So yeah. I feel, and it's, it's completely obvious to me when I'm not doing it. Yeah. I, do you journal at all? Uh, I'm so similar to you. I've gone through periods where I total immersion, journal, 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 and it saved my life, you know, years. Yeah. And then yeah. just recently, um, no, it's, it's fallen off. Um, yeah. And yet it's coming. It's, it's also re re 
reappearing as well. And I mean, with my with my own clients, I do, you know, I, I offer them, you know, um, self analysis chart and a journaling yeah. practices and breathing practices, as well as you know the nutrition side of things. So. You know, I, right. I do, I probably 90% practice what I preach and, you know, it fluctuates. I am human, um, <laughs> but I, you know, everything, and this is why I'm so fascinated to hear from you because everything in my life each day is there for a reason. Like it doesn't look like it from the outside looking in, but to me, that is my medicine. That is oh, yeah. as um, my way of self, self nurturing, self honoring, self protecting, self medicating, if you like being, mm-hmm. um, right. You know, when I get up, what I do, when I do do get up, what I drink, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 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 It's huge. Mm. And I think, you know, one thing to just like listening to you, like, well, I didn't, I don't journal as much. I'm like, well, I don't meditate as much. Well, you can't do it all. You know, mm. that's when, mm. when anybody that's working towards their wellness, I'm in the middle, I have a program I launched called Reclaim. And it's all about, it's a three month program of, I have only 10 people doing it. And it's reclaiming our wellness and understanding that it's so individual, you know, mm. like, and it and it's okay for it to change. It's okay that journaling doesn't feel okay right now. That's fine. Like just don't journal then. Don't mm. stress if it feels stressful. By all means, that's causing way worse harm than than it would be if you weren't doing it. You know. Mm. So I mm. think it's important to just again ask yourself why and go back to to just a little bit of self reflection once in a while, taking the time to do that. Mm. You know. And do you find so? Do you have? Um... Your self-talk, do you, do you find, are you like 30% negative, 70% positive? Like, do you go through periods? Like, what's, what goes on inside of, you know, your head? Yeah, um, that's like, I don't, like, I don't have a number for you because I don't, like, log, log no. how negative or positive I am. But I, I feel like I'm a pretty positive person. You yeah. know, my, my grandmother, my late grandmother was probably, like, the most positive person on the planet. She was, <laughs> everything was, literally, she would say, everything's wonderful. Like, probably to a fault, like she was faking how wonderful things were. But I've been told by my family, they're like, you carry Grandma Carm, her name was Carmelita, they're like, you carry Grandma Carm in you. And so that's the biggest compliment I could ever have in my entire world, my ever, ever, by the way, but I try to carry positivity. We've had, I mean, like everyone, the last two years have been hard. There's been a lot of negativity in the world. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of changes for all of us as far as what our lives look like. And that's been hard to navigate. So trying to remind myself, just like every other thing that I practice, right, this, these last couple of years, and we've had a lot of personal things that have been really hard in our family, um, trying to remind myself that it's my decision, whether I find the positive or the negative in it. Yeah. It's my decision. There, that I, Nothing is positive or negative. I make it that way. Yeah. And so um, that's a, a constant reminder that I do. Marcus and I just, we were coming home from the mountains a couple of days ago. And I said, Hey, let's this week be really cognizant. If one of us is talking negative, not to point it out to the person, but instead to turn it around to a positive thing. And mm. it's awesome. It's just a, it's a good practice to have. You have to practice it. I love that. I don't know. I How do you that. feel about that for you? Um, I mean, I think for me, and I think when I look at the trajectory of my life and depression, like depression is, um, is quite, it creates its own kind of heaviness and inertia and, Mm -hmm. um, and its own stories. Uh, So I've had to really become so acutely aware of my thinking because it's very easy for me. It just feels like such a slippery slope. So, um, it's probably the number one thing for me that I maintain awareness about a little bit like you were just describing with you and Marcus, um, where you, you just shift the language to a positive rather than falling into a negative, um, narrative. And I do notice that on a regular basis, um, 
that I will slide. So yeah, it, for me, it's a daily practice of just being aware yeah. and bringing it back to um, what is positive, what is possible. Um, and I often I will use tapping. Um, I don't know if you've ever mm. used it, um, that EFT, yeah. where it's like, uh, I just tap on my um, third eye, you know, um, yep. how does it get better than this? What else is possible? Um, and onto my temple, how does it get better than this? What else is possible? So that way I'm speaking it out loud. I'm shifting into a positive and opening my mind to, because my mind will, will you know, it'll go out of its way and the universe will help as well to present to me what I think about and dwell on. So if it's mm -hmm. negative, sure enough, you know, I will attract it. So yeah, I just try to reframe yeah. it. And I like that I do the tapping because it becomes very somatic, very physical. And that for physical sure. is good for me. <laughs> movement is yeah, health, yeah, yeah. movement is life. So yeah, and I think um, 100%. depression and anxiety is quite, um, it's like stagnant energy. It's dead. It's um, death. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that's my, mm -hmm. that's my little thing. I, I do have to be very yeah, mindful every day. And of yeah. course, stress is very um, stress and sleep, very very important right. in managing <clears throat> where where my mental state goes. Yeah, mm. the I like that. Like, I mean, I don't know if that's your mantra that you said when you're tapping. Like having a mantra like that is really important, I think, too. You know, mm. especially if you're someone who struggles. I've gone through not diagnosed, but we all have gone through stuff like bouts of depression. Yep. I've had panic attacks and anxiety. We've all kind of had some of that stuff and yeah that's mm. that's not a fun place to be for mm. anyone <laughs> but mm. ultimately we do have the power to bring us out of it and for me mantras really help Agreed. you know whatever wherever you're at in your life right i'm safe i'm gonna be okay whatever it is that you i'm i'm healthy and i'm well whatever it is you want to do yeah to to say that to yourself when you feel like you're going down that slippery slope because it will take you it'll be a wild ride <laughs> It's so true, isn't it? And sometimes I'll just, I'll pick myself up. I'll realize I'm doing it and I just look around and go, okay, what are you grateful for? Oh, look at that butterfly. Oh, I'm so grateful. Do you yeah. know? And I make myself say it out, see it, feel yeah. it and say it out loud. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. Nature. And so it's different for everyone. There's that. People love gratitude journals, like whatever, have a gratitude jar, mm. sit with your family at night and tell, like, have that be what you talk about at your dinner table, mm. the things that went well that day whatever it is to try to find that positivity yeah you know and what about hydration it's a, it's a big thing for me I've, it's always been a big oh, thing yeah. but wh where, where's hydration in your health your performance it's it's huge it's the first thing I talk about with anybody <laughs> it's like I don't know why I didn't talk about it here yeah it's definitely <laughs> the first thing that we talk about yeah so. do you do you have a little guideline for yourself do you try to make sure you drink a certain amount of um hydrating fluids yeah, at a very minimum, at a very minimum, I'll make sure, I mean, depends on the day and my activity level, but a very minimum normal day of not including my activity, I want to make sure that I'm getting in around 75 ounces of water a day, pure water. Um, and I put electrolytes in it. So sometimes I just use, I use Redmond sea salt, actually. It's just a really rich mineral sea salt from the Great Salt Lake here in the United States. And I put that in it. Um, yeah, that's that's it. And try to, you know, I, I do drink coffee, but I try to just Yummy. drink one cup of one cup of decaf a day. That's uh -huh. all that I'll uh -huh. allow myself. Uh -huh. And I uh -huh. feel great with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Trying to stay away from the diuretic stuff, you know, and herbal tea, I'll have tea at night, making sure that it's a not a diuretic. Yeah. Um, yep. But yeah, I, I try to, you know, I, I get nervous. I don't know where you're at on this, but as a nutritionist, I get nervous telling people you need to drink that like half your body weight in ounces or this much water, these many, many ounces. And instead going by all like, the signs, you know, like, do I have a headache? Am I foggy? Yeah. Am I yeah. thirsty? Are my yeah. lips chapped? Are my skin dry? All of those things. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Same, 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 same. Um, you know, for me, uh, yeah, I drink my three liters um, of my alkalizing green goddess every day. Um, yeah. 
And, you know, I've done that forever. I think everybody who knows me from CrossFit knows that Amanda's always got some big bottle of green um, pond slime that she carries around yeah. and looks very happy about. Um, but, you yeah. know, I feel that that was a real secret to my um, performance, but also recovery, especially being an older oh. athlete, because I, I came yeah. into CrossFit at 40. Well, I turned 41 flying home from the CrossFit Games in 2011. So, like, I yeah. was always having to um, – I always felt like I just had to out recover everybody else if I wanted to perform at the same level, sure. being an older athlete. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, it, and it, you did. It worked. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's so good. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, um, hydration is huge. It sure is. And I, I want to ask you one more thing about your water. Like what kind of water? Like do you have a particular filter? We, well, we really want to put an RO system in our house. We're on, so we have great water. We're on a well and yeah. our well is super minerally rich. So yeah. we just have regular, regular filtration in our, um, our spout here and it works. It works great. We've had it tested. It's really good water, but mm. we're in Colorado. The water where I'm from is where, where my dad lives is not awesome. And so I recommend for him an RO, but then you need to definitely supplement that with electrolytes. Cause it's just basically just liquid. There's no, there's no minerals in it at all so exactly um, stripped no knowing yeah knowing your water where you're getting it is super important yeah, yeah i really believe that too and yeah that blank canvas i think you know when you're doing that reverse osmosis or whichever filtration system there's a blank canvas and then as you say you need to start adding the minerals yeah. back back in yeah. for our own health and well-being absolutely yeah now, I know we're just yeah. ticking over now. It's been so easy and so wonderful. And this time has just mm. gone so very, very quickly. And I, I just wondered, is there some sort of, I know we talked a little bit about mottos. Like, do you have a, like, do you have your own affirmation or your own motto that you live by or quote that, you know, means like it's held you? Is there? Yeah, there is. It's called, it says one moment, one chance, always. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what we try to live by. One moment, one chance always. Oh my gosh. I love I mean, that. It's never too late, but also you only have now. One moment, so, yeah. one moment, one chance always. That is profound. Did you create that? Did that come to you? Is that something no, you it's on a it's on a prayer flag that one of my good good friends gave me and it hang it's our prayer flag that we hang above our bed and it says that on it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I want to get it tattooed. I just oh, I was don't know thinking where immediately. I was like, oh yes, yes. I'm, I love words. I've got a few words on my body: freedom, field of grace, yep. dream fiercely. Um, I love it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I what love is it yours? Do you have Do you have a a mantra or a quote that you love? Well, actually, I I do hammer out quite a lot. I've got all sorts of affirmations and prayers, and you know they can take mm -hmm. quite a few minutes. And and I, I find often that I need them to get me out of wherever my mind might be slipping. Mm -hmm. So I really, mm -hmm. yeah, it's like I, sp I speak to every archangel, every deity, do you know, I just list them all mm -hmm. and I give gratitude. Perfect. So it's, um, it just, yeah, it just, it just takes me into a much better place. And I find, yeah, I, I need a little, I don't need quite a lot of tools, too many to go into here, but I do have them and yeah. I do honor them and I do rely on them. And I love yours. I love that. One moment, one we'll chance, always. I will, it. I will steal it. it. Yes. yes, thank you so much. Now, is there anything else you would like um, that I haven't touched on that you would like oh. to share? I would, um, I'm just, you know, there's so much um, that you've, you've shared so openly and your journey is so um, 
relatable for so many women. Oops, oops, puppies. Mm. Oh, you know, I love it. Hello, sweeties. Hello. Hey, you guys. Um, <laughs> it's okay. I would say, if I were to say anything else, um, is just don't be afraid to try. You know, it sounds like I've done like, you're like, you've done so many things, but like, just, just try. That's it. If it doesn't go well, then that's okay. At least you tried, you know, and that's with anything. Like right now I'm trying two different hobbies that I never have. I'm trying to learn to play the guitar and I'm, I love to work with wood. And so I'm doing a bunch of this wood and resin mixture type stuff. And I'm, that's all I want to do. Like, I truly am like, I don't care what else I do in my day, as long as I get to play my guitar and go work in the wood shop, but the rest of it is great. Like, And that's, you know, if I've been in the wellness space and the movement and the fitness, and, and it, it is such a powerful, it's ultimately who we are. Mm. Our wellness is who we are, mm. but our wellness is not just the things that yeah. we physically do on a daily basis, but where do you take your mind? Where do you take your creativity? Where are you trying new things that are going to maybe spark a new interest or a new pathway in your brain that wasn't activated before mm-hmm. and so just to try just to try new things and I think creativity is whoever you are you're amazing and just try it <laughs> it's so true isn't yeah. it and that aspect of creativity is so very healing so very nourishing um yeah, yeah I think it's um it's really saved saved my little heart and soul many many times I love that you're so immersed in and growing your own flowers and veggies that's creative yeah. as well exactly mm. just find mm. find your thing and, and i don't even mean creativity like if you have that like if your fear is holding you back because you feel like you might fail at something cool fail yeah. like that's yeah. fail what is the saying fail forward when you fail you're moving forward you find yeah. the next thing or you learn something and if we don't try we never know and so with everything i've done in my life it's just cool let's try it and see what happens yeah. you know and i'm that. not saying that i don't let fear hold me back sometimes that definitely happens but i try not to that's the one moment one chance always i've got right now i'm gonna try it let's yeah, try it i love that oh gosh puppies puppies um oh, I love well them. Uh, yeah the the, the the savages when we're in the van we're sitting at the van in the van in the at the <laughs> beach excuse me it's like the tiniest puppy oh. in the world oh they sound like my sweet girl oh my gosh i will my, get you i will my protect everything. my mom well now where can people find you i'll share all of your links in the show notes but where would you like to direct anyone who would love to um know you and and potentially work with you i mean i would say that my instagram is probably where i'm most active so um at jen labaugh on instagram but my website is jennylabaugh.com and you can reach me there as well and kind of see a little bit more about my my philosophy towards towards wellness and what I do. Yeah, I really love your website. I, um, yeah, I really love the way you've encapsulated all that you, you value and all that you offer. And um, it's very inspiring, as are you. Thank and you. it's been such an honour to hold this conversation oh. with you. And, um, and I, feel, I feel like it's been about, well, 12 years <laughs> in the making. I know. <laughs> I know. It's so good to catch up with you. And I just thank you. Thank you. I'm honored that you even reached out to me and it's been really fun to reconnect, especially because I feel like we, I'm not kidding when I say we live parallel lives. You're just on a beach and I'm in the mountains. Yes. Very, very, very. (laughs) It's extraordinary. I honor you and I'm so grateful for your time and your wisdom. And um, I know that this, this, this beautiful conversation will be so well received and um, yeah, thank you for all that you do in this crazy, beautiful world that we live in. Thank you, Amanda. I appreciate you so much. <laughs> oh, all the love. You take care. Have a magical day. And then we'll speak you soon. Too. <laughs> okay. Okay. Bye, Jenny. Bye-bye. My beloved listeners, I would love to offer you your personal discount code. 
So when you purchase your Four Pillars bundle from amandaallen.com.au, please use the code Four Pillars. That is the number four and the word all uppercase pillars, four pillars for your 10% off. I am here to support you. All of the love.